Well, welcome. We're glad that you're joining us here today for an Easter service that is unlike any other Easter service. You didn't even have to get up and dress and wear that special dress, but I'm sure you did anyway. So I'm sure you're sitting on your couch now and you have this great dress on or this great new suit on and you look amazing. And so I just wanted to let you know that from this end, you look amazing. And so you should know that already. Well, we've been talking about what it means to be in the face of danger and what those things are all about. And so we talked about in the face of danger, we pray last week. And that might be one of our first responses is that we would pray. And today we want to talk about another one. We had talked about Gethsemane last time, how Jesus in the face of danger had gone to Gethsemane and that he had prayed and he asked God to take it away. And God has a better answer. He doesn't take it away. The answer he gives is you'll go through it. And so that's what we wanted to look at today is what happens when the answer is you have to go through it. There are all kinds of dangers that we face. You may have seen signs along the road that says, watch for falling rock. Especially if you're driving by a cliff, you could say, watch for falling rock. How do we avoid danger? Well, if it's watching for falling rock, I guess you look ahead to see whether rocks are falling towards your car. And you might be able to stop short or speed up to avoid the fall on rock. Now, there are times when maybe we should just not go into a situation. So when it says watch for falling rock, maybe you shouldn't intentionally drive under the rock that may be falling. And so this kind of situation is not going to be the best situation. Uh, be careful and avoid things like that. Uh, one of the dangers that we have here that is everywhere that you'll recognize is when we text. Don't text when you're driving. That is going to make for accidents to happen. Uh, how do you avoid that? Don't answer the text. Don't look at your phone. And so those are maybe just some things that we need to be able to look at that says, I'm not going to get myself in danger. But there are a lot of times where we're not able to get away from danger. We can't just avoid it. And so the only answer is that we have to go through it. I want to look at the life of Jesus and what he faced at the end. He had many dangers in his life. He faced Satan. He faced demons. He faced lepers. And so the threat of disease for him was huge. They had quarantined lepers, and yet Jesus touched them. Jesus faced the Jewish rulers who were after him. And the passage we want to read today is from Matthew chapter 26, and starting in verse 48. It says, Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus and at once said, Greetings, Rabbi, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you have come to do. And then they came up and they laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword were per perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will 
at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? How then should the scripture be fulfilled that it must be so? And at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scripture of the prophet might be fulfilled. And then all the disciples left him and fled. This has got to be an amazing time. It's got to be a scary time because it's dangerous. They had been coming to the Garden of Gethsemane, and that may be how Judas knew that they would be there. Jesus had sent Judas out earlier, and he had gone to get the soldiers so that they could come, and they were going to take Jesus. As you look at this, he comes as a betrayer. He comes as a person who's going to give them Jesus. And so he comes up to Jesus, and perhaps with one of the most amazing things is he has picked a kiss. It's a greeting. It's a real thing that says, I care about you. Jesus isn't running away. And so it isn't hard for him to go over and give him this greeting. Jesus is there to be arrested. He knows it's coming. His prayer was about that. He knows Judas was coming and the danger. And after the kiss, they do lay hands on him and they are ready to take him away. Jesus had made sure that they had a sword. I think they have two, and one of those is in the hands of Peter. Peter decides, well, if there's ever a time to use a sword, this must be it. And so he draws the sword and swings as hard as he can, and he catches the high priest's servant and he cuts off his ear. Well, there's blood. I mean, that's just a little disturbing. It's not a difficult wound. It's, let's just face it, we're not near as dangerous as we think we are. And Peter just, and Jesus says to him, put your sword back in its place. Well, that's got to be discouraging. I mean, here you are ready to defend Jesus and you've taken out a sword, and you're going to stand against all these soldiers, and the first swing didn't go so well, and you're thinking about the next one, and Jesus tells you, put the sword back. And then he gives three reasons why this is going to be there. He says, all who take the sword will die by the sword. His second reason is, I could ask my father, and he would give me 12 legions of angels. A legion is about 6,000 men, and so he's talking about 72,000 angels. Angels are very, very strong. One angel could have dealt with the situation. And then he says, how is Scripture going to be fulfilled if I don't do this, if I don't go through this? Then he asked, did you come out like a robber, like I was some kind of a criminal? And you're going to arrest me now. He finds it amazing. I was in the temple every day and you didn't seize me. I was just standing there. But rather they have to come and take advantage of a lonely place at night in the dark. No crowds around where they can finally capture Jesus and feel like they've done a good job. Then Jesus heals the guy's ear. Well, wouldn't that make you a little bit 
leery about, okay, maybe we shouldn't arrest him. Any other cuts, any other wounds we need Jesus to heal before we kill him? Or would he just heal himself? We know he has the power to raise the dead. He raised Lazarus, and I don't know what all went through their head at this time. Jesus does not run away. He's already prayed. He's ready. But the disciples have done everything that they know to do. They've tried to stand up for him, and he's refused. And they realize the danger they're in in this situation, and so they run away. And finally, Jesus is alone in the hands of the enemy. And so what's at stake? Should he do it? Well, there's been a lot of prophecy about Jesus doing this. Not only that, but Jesus himself had told his disciples several times that he was going to do this, that he would be in the hands of sinful men. And the last one is perhaps the biggest, that without this cross, there is going to be no salvation for any person ever. Without a cross, there's no hope. It is something big that he has to go through. We realize that there are times when we go through things, and we think that nobody understands what we're going through. The truth is, probably everyone has been through the same thing that we are now going through, or they will go through it. But there are two different kinds. One is we go through something as a point action. It's, it's an action that takes place at one time, and then it's over with. Uh, taxes are coming up. Maybe you've already done those. Once you're done, you're done. You don't have to think about them the rest of the year. They're over with. They were done, and now you're finished. When you go get a driver's license, you go get the driver's license, and now you're done. You're good for another five years, and you don't have to worry about that anymore. But some things are not one point. They're a process. When your birthday comes, that seems like a point. You only get you know, a birthday once a year, and so now you get it, but we don't live birthday by birthday. We live day by day, and so we go through life day by day. We can still celebrate a birthday as maybe a milestone, but we go through life. We go through school. A few people will maybe drop out. Some actually stay in school forever, and some just become teachers so that they can stay in school. But most of us go through school. It was a process. We learned, and now we've gone on to other things, the reason why we went to school. We go through being a child, and we don't get to be a child anymore at some point. We go through being a teenager, and we don't get to be a teenager anymore. We don't get any recess. We don't get any naps. You can still have snacks. That's still on the list. We go through disease. We go through treatment. And if you have cancer, you're going to go through a treatment as a healing process. Right now, we're going through a quarantine. And so it may feel very, very strange, but this is a process that we are going through. It will not be this way forever. And anytime someone dies, we go through a death. It might seem like it's a point, but it's really not. 
that is a process the person went through in order to get to that stage. And there's a grieving process that we go through with it as well. And so it's a process in being able to get through all of those things. And I want to suggest to you today that we are strongest when we get through it. That may be the best way. I saw this because you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you can't go around it. you got to go through it. And that's just the way it is sometimes. There's no other option, uh, at least not another good option. There may be other options, but they're not good other options. We could run away, we could be irresponsible, we could not do the things we're supposed to do, but those don't leave us with our faith. Those are not courage, and those are not what we believe. And so we don't want to live a life like that. We decide we've got to go through it. There are many things that we go through in life, some of them very small, some of them very big. Jesus went through several things in his life. At one point when he was ready to begin his ministry, the first thing he did was have to go through temptation. And so he was 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness without food, faced by Satan. Well, that seems very strange, doesn't it? Why didn't he just get out of there, go to the next town? But that wasn't the point. The point was he needed to face Satan, and that's where he chose, or that's whoever chose that that's where he would be. He could have turned stones to bread and say, well, at least I can eat out here now. But he refuses and says, no, I will live by the word of God. He could have called to God for help and said, please get me out of here. He gives the example of throwing yourself off the pinnacle of the temple, and God would come and help, but... The point is, I don't need help. I need to go through it. And he could have just given in and worshiped Satan and accepted a partial of what his goal was. At least I get all the kingdoms of the world. I just don't get to be Savior. I don't get to be Messiah. I don't get to be the one who cures everything. But Jesus chose to go through it all. And to go through it to an extent where Satan would leave him because Jesus won that battle. There's a passage in Philippians 2 where Paul describes this. And he says, I want you to be like Jesus in this. And so he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so he says, here's what I want you to do. Have this mind that's the same mind of Jesus. And that mind is, we are going to go through this. 
It is not just going to be something that we try to get around, that we try to avoid, that we stall, that we put off. We are going to go through this. He did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to. He wasn't trying to say, no, please don't take me. He decided that this was important. He didn't, he didn't insist on his own rights. He emptied himself. He took on a human form. He was obedient to the point of death. And he went through all of this to get somewhere else. He went through all of this for a purpose, that he might be in another place, that he might truly be in a place where God now is able to act. Everything Jesus did was to empty himself and to give in, to, to, to do all of this as a sacrifice because he believed in God. And then God raised him up. Therefore, God highly exalted him and gave him a name that's above every other name. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. Every. What an amazing thing that would be to see how all of this works. He's Lord of all things. He's Lord of creation. He's Lord of this life. He's Lord of all living. And he's Lord over death. Because that's where he fought that final battle. And all of this is to the glory of the Father. And the way it's been done is because it gives glory to God that God sent his Son to this earth and Jesus went through all of this trusting God and that he would die on a cross and be that sacrifice for us. But there's no way for the grave to hold him. He hasn't done anything wrong. He doesn't deserve death. And so... God raised him up, and we walks away free, having paid the price for our sin. Jesus was raised in victory. He had resurrection power. He had won the battle over death, and the grave could not hold him. The way Jesus wins is to go through. It is not a way of avoiding. He has great faith. That if he goes through, God will raise him. Resurrection goes to something better. And because he has done this, the writer of Hebrews says this about him. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. What an amazing passage this is. It talks about the glory of God. We just completely run out of words to be able to explain what the glory of God's all about and how that really impacts us. He says he's the radiance of his glory. What an amazing thing. Perhaps a picture will do it as we see beautiful things and we think of the radiance of God who puts together light and puts together sound and shadow and everything. To, and that's nothing compared to the real radiance of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. The words of his power hold the universe. He is superior to angels. He is above everything 
because he made purification for former sins. Because he did that, he sat down at the right hand and he became superior to angels. And none of that's possible unless he goes through it. He would have just been God who died on earth and was dead. Or the one who could have been Savior, but wasn't. Or the one who almost saved, but he didn't want to go through the cross. He was a good man. He just didn't win the last one. Except for Jesus did go through it. Then he gives us hope. Then he goes through a cross to become Savior. Something he couldn't have accomplished without that. Without the going through. And Paul applies it to himself because he sees so much of this in his life. As the life of Jesus has impacted his, Paul sees that he is going through things for Jesus. He is going through this life and he can see that, you know, as you get older you realize I'm not quite where I was before. And you can see things that begin to fall apart. And so in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul describes it this way. He says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this moment, light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What he's trying to say is we go through it. We recognize that the outer part isn't doing so well. It's not as quick as it used to be. It's not as strong as it used to be. There's other things that seem to get in the way. And when we look at us, we don't have much hope because each year it seems to deteriorate just a little bit more. But we look at how things go wrong in us and we would lose hope for that. We look at the mistakes we make and we would lose hope for that except there is something coming that is beyond all comparison. When we see it in the light of where we will be, Paul is looking through to the next step. We get discouraged, but we don't lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away. This light, momentary affliction. When he says that and you read that, I want you to read this extremely heavy, difficult affliction. Because he's looking at it in a way that says, you know what? This is light compared to the glory that I'm going to have. Because you realized he was beaten and almost beaten to death with rods. You realize he was shipwrecked. You realize he was stoned and left for dead. You realize that he was put in prison. You realize that there are so many people who have been after him as enemies against him. And he says, this is light, momentary affliction in comparison to the glory that's going to be there. And we go through it to get to the glory that's going to be there. I think Paul might have thought of it this way. Everything that you are going through is preparing you for what you asked for. We thought it was going to be great, and God, we prayed to God, and God said it is going to be great. 
Now let me show you what you go through. We don't lose heart. Our inner self is being renewed. And so I'm glad that's why you've joined us today. Because as you read scripture and you look at your Bible, you're able to see that this glory is going to be great. It's an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. We don't need to defend Jesus with a sword. We wouldn't be that good at it anyway. What we need to do is be like him and go through whatever comes. We're going to go through a virus. Whether you get sick or whether you don't, the same thing is true. You're all quarantined. We go through the quarantine. We have to stay inside and have to be alone at times. And we go through our pain here on earth. And that's one of those things that's most difficult. And yet we remain faithful. We go through discouragement here. And there is nothing that compares with the glory that's coming. Because we know that God has these great things that's coming up. Let me just give you a personal example. About this time of the year, actually the end of April, my son Joel and I were planning to hike the Grand Canyon. We had been planning this for several months. We had sent in to get the permit. We got the permit back. Uh, then we started looking at equipment and uh, said, well, we're going to need equipment. So we started looking for equipment and everything like this. And then uh, we started looking for, well, what else do we need? What else do we need? And sure enough, one of the things that happened as a result of this is the Grand Canyon is closed. So it is not open. The trip has been canceled. We are not going to hike on the Grand Canyon. But as we were thinking about this and getting gear together, one of the things that I realized and that Joel realized is that the one piece of gear that might be missing is us. Well, Joel's only 37 and I am older than that. Uh, how do you train for a Grand Canyon? Well, you go to the gym and you're going to lift weights and you're going to be able to be strong, right? There is one piece of equipment in the gym that I have always avoided. Did not want to be on that because the people I saw get on that looked terrible. They were horrible. I mean, sweat was just dripping off of them. They looked like they could barely hang on. And that's called a Stairmaster. And all this does is put one step and one step and one step and one step and one step. And yet, in all my years, I had never been on one. But I realized if I'm ever going to train for a Grand Canyon, here is just part of the trail and what that Grand Canyon looks like. I'm going to need to get on that Stairmaster. So I got on the Stairmaster, and I was so strong. I made it a whole five minutes before I almost fell off. I was exhausted. You can't possibly do this. And then you realize there's just a lot more work to do. I finally got up to where I could do 20 minutes and was getting better and intending on doing more. Well, when the whole thing got closed and shut down... Let's just say I haven't been back on the Stairmaster since then. All that's to say, we've got to have a goal. 
we've got to have a reason why we would go through something, why we would put ourselves in the path of doing something we don't want to do to get to somewhere where we want to be. And that's really what it's about. Why would I do that? Well, let me give you some reasons. One is survival. I was afraid I wouldn't make it out of the canyon. Okay, that's just part of it. I was looking forward to the trip, but, you know, if you're exhausted, it's not fun. And so I like hiking. I like going places, but I like even going hard places. But you also have to be in shape and be able to handle that, so that's another reason. And then I was just looking forward to the time with my son, the time where I could be with Joel, we could be on the trail, we could be hiking, we could stay in a tent, we could eat freeze-dried food. I'm sure it's delicious, but it would be an adventure together. And you think about the time when you could go down the trail, and if you struggle too much, it isn't fun. So the more things you can do to get ready for the trip, the better it is. And that's why the Stairmaster. I wanted this to be a fun time. I don't know if your life is as hard as a Stairmaster when you try to live for God. But I just know there are some things that you might do that you don't want to do. And the question is never, do you want to do this? The answer is always going to come back, no. But are you willing to do it? And that's what the answer is with God. That we might be willing to go through things here. Willing to go through what we need to hear in order to gain the glory of God. We have to be able to imagine that glory. We have to be able to see the peace of God and the rest of God and how even though we struggle at times that this could be something that's great. Even when it's not going well, we don't focus on that. We focus on the what's next, on the how much better it's going to be. It's not on the aches and pains that we might feel now, but it's on the how much better it's going to be. We focus on the eternal weight of glory. And that happens by resurrection. And Jesus went through it first. And we will go through it. There's no other way. We go through it to resurrection and to glory. And that's how it happens. Being able to see the unseen, how do you do that? Well, I guess you feel for it. You look for it. You think about it. We need to, see, need to see the details of this glory and that we are on a journey with Him. We will get through this, not just through the virus. We will get through the rest of it, through whatever is a difficulty in your life. We go through, and we go through to the glory of God. And it's my prayer that you will find that peace. And as we think about Easter today, that you realize this is the way we do it. We go through by resurrection to gain an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Think about that for the rest of the day.